Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Hey, Big Boys Podcast. This is Alan from LH12. That's my podcast. I just wanted to call in to congratulate you on your two years anniversary. I myself on my own podcast has reached 100 episodes, which is pretty cool. And it's really cool that you guys as well has the same anniversary as I do. And you may remember me from our crossover we did last year on The Odyssey, which I really recommend checking out. And I heard a rumor that we might do another crossover very soon. Who knows what it's going to be about. Anyway, congratulations on a two years anniversary. And I'll see you soon again. Please like, share and subscribe to my own podcast, World.H12, if you like history. And enjoy the rest of the podcast. Well, I don't know what we have next, but I've read one uh, one last book that I've read, um, which I will get to in a little moment. But I would just like to mention, because I don't know, you know, we've been doing this uh, for... I don't know what the time on this is, maybe over an hour. We haven't mentioned uh, PJ. It's our anniversary. <laughs> so, you know, that's worth mentioning. Um, here we go. Two years of books, boys. Two years of finding out the mysteries. And, you know, we're going to celebrate by, guys, we keep telling you to go to Patreon, hear all our plays. We're going to start releasing episodes of Playboys for free on the Books Boys feed. Oh, yeah. And we're going to start at the beginning. So you're going to get the older ones for free and, it, you know, oh, over yeah. a period of a few months. And we'll continue making new ones as well. Um, so there's still going to be, you know, reason to go to Patreon. But a lot of we want we want more people to hear some of the great content that you, me, you and Alex and, and Mireya did. So it's all going to be on there. Yeah, and Robert and too. So, I mean, they're going to release of... some Dark Place oh. Dreamers with Robert as well. Yeah. It's great, yeah. Fantastic. So find out what it's all about. That's it. Get it. Now, the get it, buy it, books. That's what they say. How can that's I sell it in Spanish? Cogelo, um, compralo <laughs> libros? <laughs> Something like that? Sí, ¿por qué no? <laughs> Cogelo, compro libros. Welcome to Chicos de los Libros, <laughs> episode 25. <laughs> um, 25. So the last book I read... El método Ana Karenina. <laughs> <laughs> the last book I read, PJ, is called Made for More. Um, and I just realized my camera's gone off, so you can't, you can't see it. There we go. Made for More oh, um, by Lindsay Seeley. So Lindsay Seeley. Um, and she, she works in education. She teaches. She's an educator. But she wants to also find ways to help people, mostly girls. She does, you know, she does have some stuff that they do with, with boys as well. But a lot of her content is aimed for helping younger girls and then also teenage girls. Um, yeah. Just with like confidence and things like that, you know, it's called Made for More. So it's, it's trying to create a bolder, brighter you. It's saying, you know, you are made for more. And yeah, okay, it goes through... Cool different things you know for example confidence is one of the main things happiness confident confidence 
authenticity, mindfulness, making progress, making connections. And it's always about more versus less. So it's more happiness, less waiting, more authenticity, less conformity, more power, less fear, you know? And it's, it's to kind of, you read it and, you know, it's, it's designed for, for girls, but like, you know, I read it and there's times when I thought I'm, I'm taking something away from this myself. And I I think that anyone could, um, could benefit from it by, by all means. And she's written a lot of other books as well. And so I would definitely, definitely say to, to check those out. So I would just recommend uh, checking out, as I say, made for more and She's written a whole bunch, you know, girls can do hard things, A to Z of self-care, how to help her, growing teenage girls, a whole load of stuff. Um, and I, I, you know, I find it good. There's these little tricks, these little self-interviews that you do as you go through it to help you, guide you along. And we talk about, you know, what confidence is not and then what confidence is to kind of put you on the right path towards things. And the same, the same with the other um, things, you know, authenticity mm-hmm. and everything else. Um, and setting yourself like little time trackers and how to prioritize things and how to be mindful. So I, if you feel that this would be helpful to you, I'd really, really recommend it because um, I, I really enjoyed it. Hey guys, Jonathan Edward Durham here. Just wanted to give you a quick congratulations on two years of fantastic podcasts and to say thank you for everything you all do, uh, not only for contemporary, but classic literature as well. It's very much appreciated. So here's to two more years and many more, and I will see you guys in the next chapter. Bye-bye. Okay, cool. Thanks. You know, we've had some good books um, sent to us. Um, I really like the sound of that book we reviewed last month's that you read, I haven't read it yet though, Unfettered uh, Journey. I really like that kind of Huxley Orwellian themes that that was mentioned. Oh, yes. It's it a pity we never... It had know, some Huxleyan that, themes, it did indeed. Yeah, I mean, I'm just curious what the author has to say about all that, because I always liked a, a bit of a discussion on dystopia. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Hold pity. Oh. Hold on, nice PJ. On what? Just double Someone check calling? and see. Someone's calling. Two seconds. Let's see who we've got. Okay. Hello, you're you're through the books, boys. You got Dean and PJ. Who's calling? Well, this is uh, Gary F. Benger, and I'm delighted to join you today. Ah, Gary! Oh my god, that's a great surprise because we we just read your book on Fetter Journey uh, on the last episode. And yes, so yes. How wonderful! I'm glad to come to back after in. you reviewed it, but that's great. Let's talk about it. And we we, we were wow. worried that we had may or may not have um, butchered the pronunciation of your last name. So, do you want to say it again for me? <laughs> uh, the last name is Benger, and uh, actually, it's uh, French Huguenot. Goes way back um, to the 16th mm-hmm. century, right? Before the family had the get out of Dodge, if you will. We were debating whether oh. to go full French, kind of bonjour, or like a kind of bangier, Americanized kind of. We we weren't sure where <laughs> on the scale to go. You know, <laughs> <laughs> it was bastardized as it went through a few countries. Yeah. <laughs> well, so this is this book's a, a year or two um, out now. Twenty twenty. That's right, isn't it? Yes, that's right. Yeah, it's uh, it came out in the end of 2020 in the middle of COVID. And uh, very pleased to say in the interim, it's uh, won 11 book awards. And wow. it is now out in eight languages. Um, and it's in English and wow. also British English. So there's a British English edition for those of the listeners. Oh, wow. Okay. Wow. So I, d- I don't have to complain when I see Zs instead of Ss and things like that. <laughs> exactly right. <laughs> <laughs> I knew someone. This is a, a, a random. Aside, uh, what other? Oh, 
PJ, I knew a Spanish person once who always wrote in American English and not British. And she said, because if I write in British English, the Americans will think I've just done it wrong. But if I write in American English, the British people will just sigh and be like, oh, okay. You know? <laughs> Uh, all right okay uh, what languages have to be in, uh, released then so uh it's far? uh let's see uh french italian german japanese uh brazilian portuguese and russian and let's say pj can you speak all of those languages wow. well except brazilian portuguese i think i can yeah oh and spanish of course that's <laughs> for, yeah. for you yeah PJ, oh it's fine as well so pj we're gonna oh, right, get okay, you well. eight copies in in eight different Pretty languages <laughs> <laughs> okay, yeah, I'd love to read them. Yeah, G- give them all to me. I'll learn the Brazilian Portuguese and as it goes. <laughs> you can wow, tell me if the no, translations that's... are any good. <laughs> yeah, what I always love about when they're translated is that is that the book cover is usually quite different, and I do actually love that. That just some other artists from Brazil made like your, the interpretation of your story and. I do collect translations as well. But anyway, oh, well, back, back I, to I, I must disappoint you. The covers are almost the oh. same. So yes. Oh well, well. But at least they're out there. Yeah, well, it was interesting to see my name in Cyrillic, though, and in Japanese. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. It's a good cover, oh, though. I, I really like it. I mean, the cover got me yeah. curious before we even started. You know, it's these people kind of hanging off this water wheel kind of thing. And I thought, right, what what's going on here? Um, and it's it's an attractive cover. So I think it was it was a good choice. Let me ask you this, because you got, you got the book released during COVID. Um, how long did it take to write? Uh, it took on the order of three years to actually write it, but I've been thinking about these ideas for, you know, 30 years, actually, um, starting um, a long time ago, um, thinking about um, some philosophical con- uh, topics such as, you know, do we have free will? And I just know that both of you were philosophy um, <laughs> we were indeed, undergraduates. Yeah. So, yeah, so th- <laughs> that's how long I've been thinking about this. You probably have too, right? So yeah. those fundamental wow. questions, you can't get them out of your head. Did the yeah, yeah. Um, COVID lockdown and everything, did that give you like the chance to kind of get it finished a bit quicker than you would have otherwise? Like, did that give you the, the free time to kind of say, right, I'm just going to finally get this finished? Or was that like the expected release anyway? Well, it it actually gave me the time to just uh, spend even more rounds in editing. So I, I was working basically 80 hour weeks wow. for a year during COVID. Wow. And, um, you know, I had... I had the fortune to work with some wonderful editors and I had a half dozen editors and I just kept on getting more because, um, you know, writing is considered to be a uh, sort of a singular kind of exercise, but, um, and because, you know, a good, I think good books uh, are out of one unified mind. It's not a, it's not a camel um, made by committee right mm-hmm. <laughs> which is a horse horse made by committee is a camel you've heard old joke <laughs> <laughs> the uh, the uh, and a book can be the same way but uh but if you have good editors and the editors um are uh willing to have a nice aggressive conversation with you the author but if the author still has carte blanche to decide what comes out i think you can have a wonderful result so it kept on getting better all the time yeah good Okay, good. So, I mean, the first thing is, look, this talks about a lot of philosophy, as we mentioned, and it's really interesting. I want to recommend it to another friend of mine who is a physicist. He's actually a physics, a former physics teacher, because there's some there's some science in this as well. There's some physics in this, and I think it it blends beautifully, um, like a bunch of different 
type ways of of dealing with things there's the physics and the mathematical approach there's a the philosophy approach and i suppose the idea of, of our main character joe is to kind of bring everything together and and then explore concepts such as free will and, and artificial intelligence and and that kind of thing um and we look at some great philosophers so pj we mentioned socrates and things like that um and acrasia free will and, and that kind of stuff um acrasia is the weakness of will um and all that kind of stuff so it's an amazing read and I, I'm, I'm making little notes as I'm reading and I'm thinking, okay, I think we're building up to Hume's necessary connections here, you know, make a, <laughs> make a note about this. Like there's another kind of philosophical uh, thing that we covered, uh, ticked off. What was the, I mean, you said you thought about this for a long time. Was that always the plan? Like it's got to be a novel kind of based around philosophy. Like, was that the most important aspect for you? And this novel then has many, uh, layers <laughs> it certainly does yeah it's like an onion someone famous said that i don't know who said um uh, oh it was shrek shrek right. yeah <laughs> so so the book the book well, yeah. um the book takes uh takes place uh, 140 years in the future in the year 2161 and um i did that because uh hopefully that makes it less dated <laughs> and uh and it's also uh, because I spent my career in um, in tech, you know, working in Silicon Valley for the last uh, almost 30 years. Uh, and um, I have some sort of great experience in a lot uh, of, of the tech, major technologies. I'm very fortunate to have worked in um, bioscience for half a dozen years, in uh, chip design for four years, in computer peripherals, in um, streaming media over the internet, this, um, this technology that we're using mm. right now, um, uh, and, um, and then the internet with uh, eBay. So I had a, a lot of experience of thinking about how these technologies evolve. So part of the basis behind the book is, well, what is highly likely um, to be the most important things for our future. So that, that's sort of a different take on science fiction. You know, there's a lot of science fiction that doesn't know that no longer as, aspires to be realistic. Mm. Uh, and so that's the frame, you know, what is highly likely for the future and, and, uh, and what, um, and what problems will we really have are the most important one which ones should we focus on to worry yeah. about because there's that, a lot of stuff we don't have to just to not to interrupt you too much but that is one of the things that i find most endearing is that it is realistic you know and as i'm reading it i'm thinking yeah give us 100 150 years like yeah i could see that that is one of the, the possibilities for how the world goes you know uh, i don't like um you know i'm not into like a lot of fantasy a lot of things that i just find un- unbelievable you know, yes, I do yes. like something where I think this is going to set in the real world and it might not be today's real world, but it has to be realistic for me to really get on board with it. Um, and yeah. I did find that it was, you know. Well, well, well thank you. More well, like, yeah, go ahead. I, I, let's like, talk about that for a while, because I think this is an interesting topic first to, you know, set the stage and talk about the future. And I think it's more like speculative fiction where you, you, you have an idea in your head, you want to explore and you're exploring it through a story rather than making the story the main focus as in with escapism or in science fiction, for example, in the escapist science fiction. So I think it's an interesting concept. Yeah, I, I did recommend the book last month that was called One Trillion Dollars by Eschbach. And it's really a, a German, um, not sci-fi book, I would say, but again, speculative fiction, which is just the theme, what would happen if someone had an incredible amount of money? What if one person had the amount of money a, a, a first world country might have? 
So I like the idea that you're incorporating your ideas and making a story and then people can see through the story how this how these ideas evolve. Mm. I I was reading this and thinking like I can be a bit of a, a bit of a pessimist and I kind of feel like we're heading for a technological dystopia um and a capitalist dystopia. So I'm reading this book and I'm thinking oh no this is this is the dystopia that I've been waiting patiently for, you know, this is <laughs> this is what I'm what I'm looking for. I mean there's good uh, there's pros and cons of the book you know of the of the world you do a good job with world building um but i mean the very first thing we see in the book is joe turning off uh his is it the the, the, the pip of the the personal assistant kind of thing that this i'm going to call yeah, it like a PETA, kind of, his personal yeah, intelligent yeah. digital assistant which is sort of a a program like a siri you know 5.0 in his which happens to be you know, you no longer carry your phone along with you, but in fact, it's a chip embedded below your left ear, right? And, and you know, it's it's connected to um, you know a, a corneal implant that is like a little screen, and you know you're attached to the cloud, uh, and which is the net in this case, and you know you can just sort of talk to it and say say something, and it will answer, right? And and um, we can easily imagine that will happen. Right? I think it's highly okay. realistic and terrifies me yeah. uh, so i'm reading this and i'm thinking yes I'm, immediately i'm on board with this guy page one because he's turning it off you know so i'm yes. like okay he has captured my uh, my sympathies you know immediately he wants out of the the technology and then of course when he when he meets evie you know she's kind of the other side of the tracks almost she's from a community that is less into the technology you know he can't believe he sees bicycles when he goes there you know because he's not in like he's almost not living in the real world you know um, <laughs> that's that's why that's a, that's an uh, allusion to burning man um i actually went to burning man wow uh, a few years ago to, to do research <laughs> <laughs> yes just for research purposes <laughs> and you know so we, we we see that her community is more of a community and it is more like everybody knows her and they're chatting to her and they're giving her gifts like not for benefit to themselves and and it's nice and it's real and he's shocked because the world he comes from isn't really like that like yeah he has his friend as a ref isn't it so they still like do favors for each other and things like that but i feel that his world is a lot more artificial you know yes and that makes me feel like this is where we're going and i'm scared (laughs) well and it's so it's interesting question there's a lot of folks who write dystopian um you know uh, futurism right and and uh, there's a question whether it will be utopian or dystopian. And, and uh, so here's, 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 a, here's an economic basis to it. And again, this is hard science reality, I think. So it goes something like this. Here, here's an important thesis. Um, the, in this next century, the two most important technologies that are facing humankind and affecting our lives will be bioscience and AI and robotics. Mm-hmm. And I argue that, and I was in bioscience for half a dozen years, um, and um, and I will argue that that will have a phenomenal change on our on our lives uh, because of CRISPR Cas9, the new latest technologies, which are phenomenally um, uh, exponential in terms of what it can do to develop drugs and and change our health. Um, hmm. You know, we're not going to be living forever. I'm sorry, some of the futures that's not going to happen. 120 years, we're not going to. Um, gain immortality but we will live a lot longer and we'll be healthier um but we won't notice in other words <laughs> if you live 20 years longer and that's normal and you don't get cancer and you know uh all that sort of thing well that's just the way life is so i actually think that we will uh you know that's just the way life will be 
huge difference, but we won't notice so much mm. if you're living them. But we will, we will notice AI and robotics because the economics will drive it. So, you know, right now we've got an Ukraine war going on. We're watching the drones and, and uh, you know, there's military reasons why that will get developed. They'll have um, robots walking around the battlefield so that people won't get killed, right? Um, they'll spend the money. And then the economics will work because there'll be more and more automation. And, you know, have you seen those Boston dynamics of dancing robots? And that sort of thing? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Okay. So my, my thesis is um, actually conservative. That's not going to happen overnight. It's not going to be in 10 years and 20 years because it's going to take a long time to make this sure. work. Out. You're going to have to, you know, I mean, just like the automobile, you had to build the roads and you had to put the legal infrastructure in to deal with what happens when people die and stuff. Um, getting robots to be ubiquitous will take a long time, but it's, it's a simple engineering problem in, in the sense that it's from A to Z. There's nothing unknown in the steps. It's just a matter of making it work better in solving problems, right? So, so I think in the next hundred years, they're gonna be really annoying. <laughs> Because they're going to do unexpected things, but they're going to build them, uh, and eventually they're going to be about our size because they'll fit into all the infrastructure that is in you know trillions of dollars of infrastructure that fit people, and uh, pretty soon you'll have you know um, robots that'll be the servers in the restaurants and um, and all that, and and then the they will be mining the ores and smelting the metal and building the factories that build the robots. Mm-hmm. And when that happens, two things. One is, um, you, you, you know, human productivity will not be based on us, but it'll be based on the machines making machines. And that means that there'll be a bunch of robots. And so the amount of stuff in the world that can be made by them is going to be really a lot. Um, there'll be a lot of stuff. But the second thing is there will be no jobs. That's what I was about to say. Um, and you, I think the book deals with that well, but... I suppose there's, look, there's been societies in the past. Uh, we look at the likes of ancient Sparta that had an entire town, Messenia, enslaved to do all their labor for them and then just give them the profits, essentially. We would need to yes. use robots like that. My question is, how do we get there? Because what's going to happen is one by one, companies will take in robots and fire people. And that person now doesn't have a job. You know, and I'm thinking, about how do we kind of bridge this gap between now there's enough robots doing all the work that people don't have to work with the, the supposed utopia, I guess, you know? And in the meantime, because I see this, right? You put an automated checkout in the store, Mr. Store Owner saves some money. It's not, you know, he doesn't say to the guy, good news, a robot can do your job, you go home and I'll still pay you. <laughs> That's right. So Dean, you've hit exactly the problem that I focus on. I think that that is, you're, you're exactly right. Crossing the chasm from where we are now to what that world will look like when there are no jobs and the fact there'll be a lot of stuff. Mm. So how do we in the starting in the West do that in a way that doesn't destroy society, right? That, that uh, it's because essentially the fact that some few will own them, those robot factories is a uh, it's an asymmetric uh, point, right? It's not stable. Uh, So, 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 you know, who owns the robot factories, right? So this is where the socialism comes in, I guess, right? This is where we, we <laughs> yeah. nationalize everything. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah. And in fact, in the book, what it assumes, what it assumes is, uh, yes, there, there came a point when they agreed to, uh, you know, nationalize the ownership of the robot factories. But 
in the United, in the states, in the states, uh, because we had sort of a um, a culture that was more based on property rights than certain egalitarian places in you know Western Europe. Um, that the quid pro quo in the states was to uh, put in place these laws, the Levels Acts, which um, which called for levels from one at the top to 99 at the bottom, and supposedly they're meritocratic. Um, they're based upon how you know your own merit. Uh, um, there is some hint that maybe there's some legacy built into it, and maybe they're not quite so fair. So yeah. that's that's the social issue that I, and, and that's the that's the conceit that I use to drive some of the the um, the drama and the story is that. Now let's all hope that that doesn't happen, right? But. Yeah, I mean, PJ, yeah, just to but... fill you in a bit, the way that the way the levels works, as I understand it, it, the way I read this, right, and maybe maybe this isn't necessarily the intention. It felt to me like we've almost introduced a kind of socialist, kind of almost communist thing with this. Let's nationalize all this production. Now the people don't have to work, and this is all great, and you get your basic sustenance provided. But if you want to work, you still can, but it's very limited to like twelve hours a week. But then there is this yeah. culture of like, but you could be doing more, you know and these silly laws that restrict our work and it's kind of going back to the capitalism again and the people in the higher levels have yeah, yeah. more luxuries so it's like yeah. bringing back the capitalism again and that made me a little uh, bit is, sad i'm a big anti-capitalist but <laughs> this is what uh, andrew yang uh, writes about in the uh, in the war normal people i don't know if you read it scary but he talks a lot about automation and just disappearance of jobs uh, in modern america specifically and that everything's becoming automated, 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 and looks very good, but slowly no jobs and more crisis, more mental crisis. And yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So it's interesting. Yeah. And, 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 uh, and Dean, to the, the point about the, uh, you know, the, the luxuries. Uh, so in the book, I assume that uh, everything's free. You know, you walk in the restaurant, you just order, and then yeah. you walk out, wave to the robot. Um, and But the top 10% cost you something. And, and the thesis there is that, you know, humans by our nature are competitive and it's hard to imagine how there won't be some social competition left. And so mm. that's the thesis. But there are, there is still credits that you pay for things and still some people want to value those to you know, be different than someone else. Mm. Right. So that's why if you want the, mm. the, the best wine, the, the best Irish whiskey, you better, you better, yeah. you have to pay for it. And, and I'll stress because I don't know if I made it clear. I find that that is very realistic. Um, it just makes me sad. Uh, not, not that like all oh, the, you know, I, I don't like how the books dealt with it. More like, yeah, it's it's dealt with it in the right way. I'm disappointed by humanity, kind of. Sad, <laughs> you know? That's right. That's right. right. But yeah. and back to the jobs. It's interesting thing. So as an example, one of the jobs is held by a woman named Dina, and she she is the manager um, in charge of a space station orbiting the moon, whose um, whose mission is to send ex probes to exoplanets, right? And and she's got a thousand robots working to build this thing. Um, that's her job. Um, that's a cool job. Um, can you imagine a world where having a job is a privilege? It's uh, an unusual mindset for me because I, I'm stuck in that, you know, jobs are a kind of slavery mentality. Um, but no, she has this job that she loves that is a privilege and she wishes they could work more than they're actually allowed to do. So to recap this conversation about the hard science view that is the setting for the book, uh, my thoughts are first that I, I, I 
think it's important for speculative fiction to actually deal with the real problems that humanity will face. And this one of the automation uh, making jobs go away, at the same time that we'll have a lot more economic output, tons, mm, yeah. it, it can be a utopia. And so how do we manage that? That's, that's a key problem. And so that's, that's the setting for the, and the reason why that is in the book. Yeah. But I mean, just to, to quickly say, like, I loved it because I, you know, there is a romance story as well. You got to have that. Um, I love that. I'm, I'm a sucker for a romance story. But then I'm like, hold on. It's romance and Socrates. Like, this is just what I needed, you know, and then I was bringing in the philosophy and the, I'm having the economic kind of thoughts, the political philosophy, and then all these different layers of things. I'm like, this is amazing. This is exactly what I wanted from a novel, essentially. You've written the perfect novel, you know. <laughs> this oh, well, thank you. Thank you. Well, well, and now to the ideas. Uh, so, uh, as I said, my, my master's thesis was in... Um, you know, philosophy of mind, and uh, and there and, and in speculative fiction, there's a lot of I think crazy stuff. You know, mm-hmm. where are robots going to be sentient uh, and conscious? You know, there was a there was a controversy a few months back where a Google um, engineer was saying that one of their products is conscious, which everyone attacked as being complete um, malarkey at this point. So, and I agree with that. Question is whether they will ever be conscious, and uh, you know, there's the hard problem of consciousness we don't even understand what it is and so could we even create it in a machine will that ever happen i think that's a very important uh question you've you've Uh, just asked yourself the the question that i wanted to ask you next um because that's what that's that's joe's whole point is to find out can we make this ai really have a human level of consciousness i mean do you think that it is possible eventually well i'll i'll say in the book that uh joe um joe thinks that it's not possible you know in the year 2161 the conventional wisdom is yeah they're kind of conscious uh and joe um being an ai scientist knows that it's it's all cheap tricks holding mm. them down so so but but can it ever happen well in the book i leave that a little bit ambiguous at yeah. the end you know, there's the there's the scene where the robot um does something and joe asked uh, did that robot just tell a joke you know and, yeah and, then, and we, we and do then, get more from the robots near the end not to give spoilers i never really talk about the last kind of third of a novel but we get very actiony because it's an action movie near the end with all this kind of cool stuff going on and, and the robots are kind of driving some of this and we start to question more like well could this one be a little bit closer to like that kind of consciousness than maybe we thought was possible so it is interesting you know yeah so so to be more precise in answering your question um in my characterization of how physics works in my hypothesis about ontology of and how this all fits together uh, that would not preclude this Mm. but um, i'm unsure whether we can ever ever create that so we're talking millennia i think yeah okay fair answer well look we're almost out of time so i'm gonna ask you Two final questions. The first one is, do you want to real quick plug your website or tell people where they can get the book? Uh, yes. So uh, they can get the book, uh, as I said, eight languages, um, you know, 11 awards. Um, you can get it on Amazon and in bookstores uh, around the world now. Um, and uh, my website is Gary F. Benger, B-E-N-G-I-E-R, GaryFBenger.com. 
and there, there are also uh, you know a dozen websites in different countries. So whether it's DE or, or all the different <laughs> or uh, Co.uk, you can find uh, my website. Well. Now to the last question that we always ask that we uh, have kindly not not given you time to prepare for, um, <laughs> you know, because I could ask you if, there, you know, what novel do you want to write? Well, you've done it. But the question we ask is if there's an existing novel that you wish you'd been the person to write, what would that be? Oh, wow. A hard question. Well, we don't give okay. you preparation time. <laughs> no, no, it's terrible. <laughs> well, okay. I'll just fall back on an easy answer. Then my, my, um, my favorite author, um, is probably William Faulkner. And um, I, in fact, I just, uh, I've read uh, virtually all of his oeuvre except uh, The Reavers, which I read The Reavers this summer because I, uh, and, and um, I think that's a good book as an entree to Faulkner. Uh, Faulkner is a fascinating character. Okay. He, um, you know, he wrote about um, um, the South and he was born in, uh, I think 1897 or something. So his, uh, his growing up in the South um, was colored by um, the uh, racial relations there in the South. Um, uh, and uh, he does a magnificent job with, um, with those topics. And interestingly about his history is that he, um, he, um, he, he was um, thought as a very simple regional writer. Everyone ignored him in the U.S. and his books almost all went out of print. Um, but um, in Paris, they got some interest. And, wow. and, then, uh, and then he became famous in the salons of Paris. And then the word came back from Paris to New York. Oh, here's an interesting guy. No, he's not just a local writer. And, and so Faulkner became uh, famous finally by way of Paris. And so then he, then he won his um, Nobel Prize and other awards. So Brilliant. Wonderful writer. Wonderful writer. Um, it's hard for most people to get into him because he writes these extraordinarily long sentences. Mm. Um, by the way, my book does not use long sentences. I'm more of a okay. <laughs> writer, but um, but I, I think he does a wonderful job of painting um, pictures. And yeah. so that's one of the skills of writers that I, I respect. Awesome. Well, Gary, thank you so much for uh, calling into the show. It's been wonderful having you, yeah. and I'm going to go recommend this book to basically everyone. So, <laughs> well, thank you very much, Thanks and so I hope much, the yeah. readers enjoy Unfettered Journey. It was it's been a wonderful journey for me. Thanks for um, inviting me to your show. No problem. Take care. Have a great right. day. Bye. So, going to take a 30 second break just to hear from another great podcast on the TNC Network, and I should say, of course, thanks to the TNC Network for all their help and supporting and hosting the podcast. Hey, all you guys, yeah, now non-binary pals. I'm Nick. And I'm Maddie. And, and we're, we're the hosts, hosts of WTF, WTF is Happening. Australia's number one pop culture podcast, as voted by our mums. We're here to be your pop culture catch-up. You can expect stories from our personal lives that basically guarantee we'll never get a date. Legendary guest interviews where we find out which cultural moments shaped their lives. And honestly, just a touch of, like, chaotic, frantic energy. Now, as soon as you're done with the iconic podcast you're listening to right now... Go and listen and subscribe to us. Agreed. Cute. <laughs> well they said we were iconic pj so well that's good that's, that's do we nice. do that's i have nice any more it. any more um yay two years of... what about this one? Oh yeah <laughs> oh yeah well shall we wrap up with our recommendations uh indeed well, 
I like to recommend um, as Halloween, as, as Halloween time, oh, spooky times. Um, I have read a lot of good um, uh, fantasy and horror novels back in my days. Not as much anymore, but I always like a good story that's not just about um, scaring you. It's also about, yeah, about our inner fears, about about uh, about the nightmares that we're kind of dealing with, you know, because they want to be seen. And I've always enjoyed Clive Barker for that. And I was going to re- recommend Aberat, which I think is his tour de force. Okay. It's basically his children books. Uh, but I've mentioned Aberat, I think, before. And if not, I just mentioned again that it's a story about a girl who goes to a, a parallel kind of universe, which is kind of an ocean with 25 islands. 24 um every island lives in one time zone and one lives outside time um but i've mentioned it before so i'll mention the great and secret show which is one of his adults horror novels and it's quite disturbing in some parts and very fascinating so the concept is very interesting it's about lovers in california who get <laughs> who in a kind of an earthquake gets kind of sucked in to two different entities. So and one side of the one part of the story is these two supernatural forces in constant combat with each other, kind of like good and evil. But then these lovers are kind of sucked into their entities and it becomes all very confusing as it sounds indeed confusing. An apocalypse happens We've got the lovers being kind of metaphors, like melted into these two monsters. And it is really horrific. But the whole novel is great because essentially getting a sense of a massive apocalypse, an earthquake, yet the themes of love is completely mixed up with becoming a monster, essentially. There's really some, what I like about Barker is he comes up with he comes up with some extremely disturbing concepts. There is one thing called licks in it, which I can't even talk about in the radio show in case someone under 18 is there, but it's probably the most disturbing concept I've ever come across, come across um, here. Can I use, let's just say it's a monster made of uh, two different bodily fluids. And essentially one of the, one of these high entities he makes, monsters out of using two out of his two of his body fluids every time he uses two body fluids he creates a monster you're thinking why in god should i read this well it's it's deeply disturbing but again it's about apocalypse it's about nightmare it's about it's about relationships ironically enough and clive barker is a very sensitive soul and he's not just there to thrill he's there to talk about real nightmares and real concepts Made a big impact on me. My cousin, my cousin Sean, loved it as well. So big, um, say hello to him. Okay. And it's the first book of his art trilogy. So give good. it a try, guys. Good. Before yeah. I get to mine, I should mention that we did say that it was Halloween, and <sighs> actually, you're probably listening now after, yeah, after Halloween. <laughs> but yeah. but just because it is Halloween. <laughs> Yes, 
So there we go. A bit of Bobby Pickett for you. Um, North. And of course, that's kind of a Frankenstein reference. And the book I'm recommending is not Frankenstein, but Dracula. <laughs> so oh. <laughs> I this book's from 2009, and it's my recommendation. Uh, it's called Dracula the Undead. And it's the official sequel to Bram Stoker's Dracula because it was written by his great-grandnephew, Dacra Stoker. And Our someone called Ian Holt with him as well. Yeah. All right. Cool. I wonder how much... It's like, hey, we've got someone to help me write it. And I'm like, did he write it all? I don't know. Did they just want to have the Stoker name on the book to make it sell? You know, I'm not sure. Look, I read yeah. this when it came out. Um, it was fine. It was fun. It was good. Obviously, it doesn't touch on the original. You know, the real recommendation is the original Dracula, but I recommended that last year, I believe. So, <laughs> yeah, 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 I know. I was just about to say, like, when you were saying Dracula, say mentioning this sequel, okay? And that's the last time I will do a recommendation. <laughs> Are you sure you don't want to recommend another picture book by some actress the next time? Maybe you want to recommend the calendar you bought from the restaurants. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> when I was in looking to, to discover books. Pamphlets you know? from hotels. <laughs> Hotel pamphlets. You can recommend that. <laughs> oh, no. So if you've made it to the end of the show, thank you very much. It anyway. has been the Books Boys two-year anniversary episode. There we go. So hopefully everyone enjoyed. And I, and I just want to say to our listeners, muchas gracias. Arigatou gozaimashita. Tusen tak. Thank you for Jenkui Barso. Spasio Barso. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you so much uh, for listening two years. And if I've left out any languages, please do not take it personally. And um, yeah, if you want to also just give us books, give us any books, give us your books, give us other books, just give us books. Don't be shy. And get on the get on the Patreon. You can do other things as well. You can check out our music on Spotify, and there's links to a lot of stuff on on booksboys.com. And of course, thanks and to if you want to... and Radio Oxon for playing the show. And if you want to be the coolest kid in class, you will get yourself a nice Books Boys T-shirt. Mm-hmm. Fitted we have here your costume. little Alfred wrapped in his bufanda, um, so you can be part of these shenanigans. And yes, um, you can get the Books Boys t-shirt. You know, PJ, quick anecdote. I was on the train uh, yesterday, and a guy walks in with an actual boombox, right, on the train. <laughs> and I think, is he going to play Books Boys on the boom? Oh, no, he didn't, sadly. Um, <laughs> but he played, like, Irish country music. And I'm trying to read really? Unamuno in Spanish and I'm getting upset about the distraction. He's playing it very loudly and he has to be told eventually by the staff to turn it down. And on the way out, he pats me on the shoulder. And I'm like, you knew I was annoyed by this. You knew. It's the kind of people you have to put up with, you know? <laughs> trying to read so, my Spanish. Um, so we'll just, we'll just give a big shout out to a very annoying guy with boogs <laughs> and Irish, Irish music playing out of it. So hello and... Thank you as well. Guys, remember, keep calm, read your dickens. Is this a holiday? Hence home, you idle creatures. Enjoy the Anna Karenina method, Doc Lit, Marianella drama, dramatics, Balzac, <laughs> and all the Get your brother out of his own painting with the Brontes. Uh, all the, all the gimmicks. And remember to read Doc Lit. 
Don't forget about no, not Docklet, a Kinglet. No, what's his name? Docklet. Yeah. <laughs> get the gimmicks right. Get the gimmicks right. Kinglet, Kinglet. We are gonna end this um, episode with a fun uh, special song that we made just for to celebrate two years. It's the ode to a podcast, Books Boys, the song. Oh yeah. And if the DJ would spin that record, we'll be back. We, did we finish it? It's 25. Do, are we done? Did we finish? Do we retire? I think we retire from that one, yeah. Oh, we'll do see. we retire? But I have, still haven't found out what books are, so I don't know if this is the end. The we mysteries might, are we still might need to continue. If, we, if 25 is not old enough to retire, then we'll be back in about a month. See ya! Hey, uh, PJ, I've, uh, I've got a question for you. Do you like books? Because if you do, I think I have an idea. sisters, but not the brother, because he painted himself out of his own painting. Woo. We got Galdos. Hey, anyone heard of Discovery of Heaven? We got Orwell. Winter said Hollow. And others. Books and books and books and books. Books and books and, and, and books and books. Books and books and books and books. Books and books and books. The is a method. What do we want? We want books. What do we want? What do we
Boys Podcast. Time for the Books Boys Podcast. It is the Books Boys Podcast. We are the Books Boys Podcast. Tell your friends. Books and books and books and books. Books and books and books. Books and books and books and books. Books and books and books. Papers, objects, books and books. So what books do you think, PJ? Books books. A good idea, books right? Books and books and books. Roll it up like a scroll. Books and shall books we, and books and books. Shall we record books an episode and books and with books. Little Alfred? Books and books and books. Let's and books. do it. Books and books and books. Books and books and books. He's PJ. Hello there. I'm the Dean. We are the Books Boys. Books Boys was presented by the Dean and PJ Burke in association with Thaddeus Penguin Productions. <laughs> this episode was brought to you by our sponsor, Society for Keeping Calm and Reading Your Dickens. If you would like to get in touch, you can email us at booksboys at hotmail.com or visit us at booksboys.com. The intro uses Driving in the 70s from the Of Soundtracks and Garage Bands EP by Trapdoor. And the outro uses Dog's Light by Bravo Max from the album of the same name. All music used is either podsafe or used with permission. If you'd like to support the show, go to patreon.com slash booksboys, get the show early, and all of our bonus booth fan the boys shows. And you can also check out our music on Spotify or Apple Music. Thank you kindly for listening to us. Please tell your friends, and come back next time for another episode of Books Boys. Read some books! Such a such a weak little horn. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at hellofresh.com. <laughs> <laughs> 